Christianity 101 is you give him your heart. He's first. If he's first, then he has everything. If he has everything, you're not afraid of losing anything. So intimidation doesn't work. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. live in a culture filled with people who love to intimidate the Christian into silence, who we must resist at all costs. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, Disarming Your Giants, with a look at how to defeat the giant of intimidation. You know, the great apostle Paul had a son in the faith named Timothy, who somewhere along the way had fallen prey to intimidation. Paul called it a spirit of fear and urged Timothy to resist it. We Christians face the same spirit in our time. Forces of intimidation are continuously seeking to silence the Christian witness of Jesus Christ. And like Timothy, we must resist it, defeat it, and walk in boldness. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share part two of the message, Disarming the Giant of Intimidation. forget the giant of giants, Goliath. And we've all heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator, right? Arnold's looking rough these days. It's hard to see him in an action movie, although I haven't gone to one in a long, long time, but I saw a clip. Now, Terminator. I looked up this idea, this thing. I saw that in a foreign country, there was an action movie called The Annihilator. But guess what? If you had cast Goliath in an action movie, he would have been called the Intimidator because everything about him was intimidating. Everything. Nine feet tall, girt in the best armor of the day, a professional soldier. And he used the same intimidation tactics against David that Samballot and Tobiah did against Nehemiah. He mocked him. Remember when David came walking up to him? He mocked him and said, look at this. Look at this, kid. Is this the best you've got? Ha, 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 ha marginalized him, defined him down. What a joke. You can't send anything better than a kid with a sling and a stone. Threats of harm. He looked at David and said, I'm going to take your head off today and feed it to the birds of the air. Predictions of failure. What are you going to do with a sling and a stone? The whole while David's doing this. And right about when Goliath said, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air today. And what a joke you are. There was a thud heard. I love that story. David refused to be intimidated. <laughs> and right when Goliath's mocking him, he just let it fly. And that was Goliath's last words. But I want you to point out that David, David refused to be intimidated. Now, let me tell you where we are in America. I want you to hear me very carefully. This is going to matter to everyone here today who loves Jesus. Let me tell you where we are. We're living in an hour and a time in America 
where the weapon of intimidation is being used by Satan on a level I've never seen. I started preaching 42 years ago. I have preached virtually my whole life. And I'm going to tell you, now there is an intimidation campaign that has been released by a godless, Christ-rejecting culture against the church. And the church is being cowed into silence unless that church says, I will not be intimidated. I will not be. The intimidation campaign is very real, it's very toxic, and it's very, very there. I see it every day. Consider the following. Our public schools are terrified right now. They're terrified that if they allow anything of a Christian nature into school plays, classroom activities, or classroom discussion, that the ACLU will pounce on them and sue them, and they have been cowed into total silence. They will talk about Wicca. They will talk about Islam, but they will not talk about Christ. They have been cowed into silence, intimidated. Hate crime legislation was signed into law a few years ago that signifies, get this, that preaching against sins like homosexuality can be interpreted as hate speech by the listeners and bring an arrest against the preacher. You think that can't happen? It's already happened several times in England out of whose womb we came, and it's already happened a couple of times in the United States of America. So that a listener out there, if I were to stand on a uh, street corner today and preach Jesus and say, just for instance, homosexuality is a sin, then a listener could say, well, that offends me, and go to the police and say, I believe that they just made hate speech, and that policeman can come and arrest me and take me to jail and charge me with a hate crime, and that is nothing short of an intimidation tactic to muzzle the church from preaching the Bible as it is to men as they are. Now, political correctness, which I despise, loathe, hate, and detest. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Because political correctness takes away our freedom of speech. Political correctness, the message is, are certain things you can say and can't say. It has produced thought police, is released into our culture, people who watch for others to say the wrong thing, and then they pounce. It is a form of soft Marxism. There are certain things you better not say, can't say, because if you say them, that's not tolerant. Isn't it interesting that tolerance is preached unless it is tolerance towards the church? And if the church stands up and exercises its freedom of speech, then the ones who preach tolerance are not tolerant at all. How has that happened? But political correctness is now the ruling code of ethics of 21st century America, and it has literally muzzled much of the church from even mentioning sin. You shouldn't do that because that makes people feel bad about themselves and hurts their self-esteem. This whole self-esteem thing is a bunch of garbage. It's crazy. We need to hear that we're in sin. If I hadn't heard that I was in sin, listen, what would you think if you went and found a family physician? And you met him and liked him, and he said, well, you need to know this about me. We don't discuss disease. (laughs) Then you would say, well, wait a minute. What if you find a disease in me? Well, well, you know, we'll pray for you, but we're not going to talk about it because disease is off limits. It's the same thing when a church says we won't discuss sin. 
Because if you don't discuss sin, how is anybody going to be saved? How is anybody going to be healed? Because sin is what is destroying people's lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? The pastor of the largest church on America was being interviewed on TV, and he said, we don't discuss sin. I just fell off my chair. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned. We have all turned aside. We've all gone our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We need to hear that. But instead, I've watched entire denominations that used to be bulwarks of the truth, that used to stand for Christ and stand for the word, have now sided with the world. They want the world's smile instead of God's. And they not only refuse to call sin, sin, but they've gone so far now as to call wrong, right, and right, wrong. Somebody beam me up. What has happened to us? It's like our culture has gone nuts. Let me tell you what it is. It's the upside down, backward thinking of political correctness, which is nothing more than an intimidation technique of the enemy to muzzle the church. And the intimidation campaign is not going to go anywhere. It's going to grow worse unless and until a mighty move of God sweeps our land, which I believe could happen. But if and until it does, how do we overcome this spirit of intimidation? Because you're going to be intimidated this week, at least tempted to be somewhere, sometime, somehow in some setting. Well, Simon Peter, who knows a little bit about intimidation, tells us how. You remember how he lost it. He lost his testimony. Around that little campfire, Jesus taken into Pilate's hall. He's in the outer court. Little teenage girl. You were with him. No, I wasn't. Not me. You got the wrong guy. Oh, yes, yes, you were with him. No, I wasn't. What was happening to him? Spirit of intimidation. Third time, I know you were with him. I saw you. And he cursed and said, I never even knew him. Right about then, Jesus was walked out and gave him a look I hope I never see. What happened to Simon Peter? He came under the spirit of intimidation. It muzzled him, silenced him, and he denied the Lord. We must be freed of this spirit, folks. We must be. So what did Peter tell us who knew what he was talking about, how to be free from intimidation? He said three things in 1 Peter 3. And I'm going to give you the verse after I tell you each key. First Peter 3, 13 through 16. First, we must realize something. Can you say that with me? Realize something. What are we supposed to realize? Listen to what he says in verse 13. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. What is he saying? First, we must realize man can't ultimately hurt us. I'm going to say that again. Man can't ultimately hurt us. Do you know the Bible says the fear of man brings a trap and a snare? When you're afraid of men's opinion, afraid of the consequences with men, afraid of what they're going to think about you, don't worry about it. They're probably not thinking about you. And even if they are, who cares? With men, you're a hero one day, zero the next. With men, they pat you on the back one day, stab you in the back the next. Who cares what men think? We ought to care what he thinks. Now watch this. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, if somebody hits me, the man hurt me. Here's what he's saying. Listen to what Jesus said. In Matthew 10, verse 28, Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill your soul. You hear what Jesus is saying? Man can, yes, man can kill your body, but man cannot 
touch your redeemed, blood-bought soul. So man can't ultimately hurt you. He said, rather fear him who can take both soul and body and cast them into hell. Jesus said, indeed, I say, fear him. Jesus talked more about hell than anybody in the Bible. These preachers going around saying there's no hell today are not reading their Bible. Jesus said, there is a hell and you don't want to go there. He said, fear the one who can cast you there. Don't fear men. Peter added, rather than harming you, if you suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. So if you suffer mockery, ridicule, some kind of physical harm, Jesus said, and Peter said in another place, the spirit of glory and of God is resting upon you. I like Paul when it comes to this. He was constantly faced with intimidation, with every kind of intimidation. But his motto was this. I don't bow, I don't bend, I don't break, I don't back down. I stand for Christ and I don't give in. Give you, for instance, his enemies constantly threaten to kill him. Paul said, that's okay. For me to live as Christ and to die is just gain. If you're going to kill me, you're going to send me to heaven. That's where I want to be anyway. So you can't intimidate me there. His enemies threatened to imprison him, and they did imprison him. And so what did he do? He said, well, since Jesus is in charge of my life, then I'm going to consider myself the prisoner of Christ Jesus. So you don't have me in prison. He does. And when I get out, it'll be because he got me out. And in the meantime, I'm going to write some letters. And so we have Romans. We have Philippians. We have Ephesians. We have these incredible letters that thank God he was in prison and had time to write. And then they said, all right, well, then we're going to make your life miserable through suffering. He said, that's all right. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed. So if I suffer a little bit, when I get to glory, I'm going to forget all about it. They could not intimidate him. They took the disciples in front of the Sanhedrin. They whipped them. They threatened them. And they said, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. And they went right out, lifted their hands, thanked God for the privilege of being persecuted for him, and went right out and started preaching Jesus Christ. They refused to be intimidated. And it was that kind of church that turned the Roman world upside down. And that's what we need today. Not a bunch of milquetoast, spineless do nothing, say nothing, Christians in the shadows of some half-dead church. We need red-hot, spirit-filled, bold believers taking it to the culture. Some of you guests were thinking, God, this is kind of extreme. How did I get here today? You're here by divine appointment, and it's not extreme. I'm preaching normal Christianity. What you've been seeing is subpar. So first realize something. Second, Peter said, sanctify something. Sanctify something. He said, do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Now, what does sanctification mean? We all know the name if we're believers, but a lot don't know what it means. It's from a Greek word, hagiazo. And hagiazo means to consecrate, dedicate, separate. Now look at your heart. Here's your heart. It's full of affections. It's attached to things. It loves things. It hates things. It is drawn to some things, repulsed by others. Your heart, 
the seat of your emotions. Peter said, take that heart and separate it, consecrate it, dedicate it to Jesus. Because he wants your heart. He has your soul. You're saved. But you can be saved and he not have your heart. If he has your heart, then he has all of you and he has all the issues of your life. It has to do with what have you crowned king, most important, first, primary in your heart. Because whatever you have crowned as the most important thing in your heart is what you are pursuing in life. It is what you love the most. It is what you give your money for, your energy for, your time for, your life for. With some people, it's money. We're surrounded by that. There are millions of people in America just giving their life for the greenback, the money. Can't take one bit of it with you when you die. Some people, it's pleasure. They live for pleasure. They're hedonists. They live for pleasure. That's our culture. It's all about pleasure. Immediate gratification. And with other people, it's a career. They worship their career. Their career is numero uno in their life. But the Bible says, here's Christianity 101. Christianity 101 is you give him your heart. He's first. If he's first, then he has everything. If he has everything, you're not afraid of losing anything. So intimidation doesn't work. Let me tell you what you're going to be hearing. You and I For the rest of our lives, we're going to be hearing this from Jesus to us. Allow me lordship over your family, your finances, your sexual life, your aspirations, your dreams, everything. Give those to me. And if you give those to me, then I've got your heart. If I've got your heart, intimidation is not going to work against you because you're not afraid of losing anything because you don't have anything. It's all been given to him. (laughs) It's quiet in here. In John's revelation, John takes us beyond the veil. He parts the veil and we get to look into heaven. And as we look into heaven in John's revelation, we see that there has been an incredible warfare and we see that Satan has been cast down and God's people have won the victory. And John tells us why and how they won the victory. And you know this verse. He says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And here's the third thing and what I want to look at. And they did not love their lives to the death. See, when you've given him everything, then you have given him your life. And if you've given him your life, you're not afraid of losing it. If you're not afraid of losing it, you can't be intimidated. They had sanctified him in their hearts. So say with me, realize something, sanctify something. And I want to close with this. Keep something, keep something. Peter says, keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Keep a clear conscience. Let me put it my way. Keep short accounts with God. If you sin, get it right as quickly as you can. Keep your conscience clear. I'm going to tell you why. Without a clear conscience, you will not, cannot win on the spiritual battlefield of life. 
Because the enemy has a way in, if your conscience isn't clear, to condemn you. And if he can condemn you, he can intimidate you. Paul said to Timothy, in another place, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. See, when you violate your conscience and don't get things right with God, you are adrift in the ocean of trouble with no anchor and no compass, and you'll shipwreck. So you keep short accounts with God. And if you keep short accounts with God, you can't be intimidated because you're right with him. You know, people who don't have a clear conscience live a miserable life. I read this verse. It really, I got a kind of a kick out of it. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 verse one, the wicked run when no one's chasing them. Isn't it terrible to live a life of sin? Because you run when nobody is chasing you. What are you running from? I don't know, but somebody's after me. Why do you believe that? Because your conscience isn't clear. You know, I remember in my way back when, and it was terrible times when I was a teenager, but I was in drugs and you know that. And I remember anywhere we went, the cops were always there. Even though most of the time they weren't. You drove down the road staring in the rearview mirror. Every car coming up behind you was the heat. That's what we call them, the heat. And you're always living in this miserable paranoia. But you know what it says about the righteous? The godly are bold as lions because they have a clear conscience. When you've got a clear conscience, you will stand before God and men and say, I am not afraid. I am not intimidated. I'm right with God. And it's a powerful thing. It's a blessed thing. So you live in a way that you won't have to keep looking behind you, hoping the wrong you've done doesn't catch up with you today. What a terrible way to live. You get a stiff neck that way. Always looking behind you. To win against the giant of intimidation, we must, say this with me, realize something. The enemy can't ultimately harm you. Sanctify something. The Lord in your heart. Keep something. A clear conscience before God and men. Well, I hope the message has helped you to understand better how to fight the spirit of intimidation and walk in boldness. And maybe you're not aware that Life Talk has many helpful resources to better aid you in fighting the good fight and to grow in your spiritual walk. Just go to our website at lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And spend some time looking through our archive of free downloadable podcasts and other helpful tools. We would love to have you visit. And be sure to join me next time where we'll be tackling the tough subject of disarming the giant of lust. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, every time God uses the ministry of Life Talk to transform a life by the power of Jesus Christ, it's because somebody like you gave financially and helped make it possible. 
Life Talk's daily program is listener supported. So if you're interested in supporting this ministry, call toll free 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or visit us online at lifetalkradio.us and make a donation to empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today. Disarming the Giant of Intimidation is the eighth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Disarming Your Giants. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to LiveTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Disarming Your Giants, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wigwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener supported ministry. We exist to bring God's word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.